Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. It is Wednesday, July 17th. I'm shooting this just after lunch and the family reunion, the fourth annual Brightline Eating family reunion just finished. It's pretty great. We had over 400 people here in beautiful Paradise Point, San Diego, which is where I am right now, in a little cubbied off director's room off the conference center. My team's waiting for me right now to go do a team debrief. <sighs> Sessions were great. There were highs, there were lows, there was connections, there was lively bits that were really deep bits. The box set concert was amazing as always. Lyndon went for the first time and she was like, you guys are so good, I loved that. We're like, how have you never been to the box set concert? This is your fourth year. She's like, I know. The dance was so fun. I feel like my team showed up amazingly and we did, I did what we needed to do to give people the experience they came for and so much more. And I feel really tender and somber right now. I just came from lunch in my room with Sylvia Owens, who said I could use her name, who said she wanted me to let her know what happened that people need to hear. By far the biggest takeaway for me from this event is a theme that's been present in my life over and over again in the last few months. And it showed up big time last night and today. And the theme is inclusiveness and what happened goes like this. Last night at the dance, like I always do, I rapped. I just happened to be a fan of gangster rap. It's just a thing. I've been rapping to ridiculous, filthy, <laughs> just off the hook rap music since I was a wee bit of a thing. I know all the lyrics, they roll off my tongue. It flows. I feel, you know, I, I don't know, makes me feel a certain way when I do it. It's how I release energy. And every year I think of the rap I'm gonna do and I chose this one this year and I introed it and prefaced it. And I used a word that sent Sylvia reeling outside. Bringing up all kinds of feelings. She was hurt by me. I used a word that a black person never wants to hear from white lips that I have no authority to be saying ever. And I got that last night and from her. And I texted her this morning 
because my team is really sensitive if someone's not having a good experience and it was noticed that she was not okay last night. Today she was like, how did you text me this morning? Like, well, how did that happen? And I'm like, I don't know, but I think someone noticed and I think, you know, you're here in our fold. So I texted her this morning and we just had lunch. I'm so grateful she was willing to meet me for lunch. I apologized from stage this morning. I am committing to getting support and guidance and education outside of Bright Line Eating for myself. Because as I look around Bright Line Eating, as I looked through the faces of the room here, beautiful faces, loving eyes, and individuals who together are not representative of our larger society. The biggest gap numerically is where are the men? Next, where are the people of color? And I'm not sure some differences are more visible than others. So I'll have to do more work to find out where the other gaps exist as well. But if those numbers aren't representative, it says something about me. It says something about Bright Line Eating. It says something about that difference between thinking, oh, we're inviting them. Anyone can come. And we're going the extra mile to be inclusive. So that difference between inviting, being invited, and feeling included was brought home to me in April. I was an event where a woman named Trudy LeBron spoke. T-R-U-D-I LeBron. Trudy LeBron spoke. And she shared it's a distinction that we need to know. The distinction between saying that everyone's invited and actually making people feel like you are including them. In a Bright Line Eating context, it looks like this. Someone can invite me to lunch, and if I show up and what they're serving is pasta and dessert for lunch, which is a legit lunch in a lot of people's world, I literally have nothing to eat. So I was invited, but I leave not having felt very included. It's a different experience if they think and say, hey, I wonder if anyone has any dietary restrictions, and they call me up and say, hey, what do you eat? I want to make sure there's something here for you when you get here. And when I arrive, there's a bunch of fruits and vegetables and proteins and things that I can eat. I have a different experience then. I leave that home feeling differently about my experience. And Sylvia, if I... I won't even go there. I, we did connect over lunch. I love you, Sylvia. Thank you for being brave. We talked a little bit about what it's like to show up for this conversation. It's scary on both sides. As a white woman, I'm thinking, I don't want to say anything that hurts anybody, and I don't want to say anything that makes me look racist. I don't want to say anything that makes me look ignorant. I don't want to say the wrong thing. 
and I'm not too clear what the right things are and the wrong things are, the whole landscape therefore feels threatening and scary to me. It's easier to be silent. It's easier to not show up for the conversation. And because I'm privileged in this way, I can just surround myself with environments where I don't have to have that conversation. That's what privilege means. One of the things that privilege means. And for Sylvia, she shared that although her skin is brown, her cultures are many and they intersect. And so she goes through life constantly being reminded that she's not quite a fit here, nor there, nor there. Her culture is mainly mainstream American but because of her brown skin, she experiences all the little ways that she gets seen differently. But when she tries to fit in with the black community, she's not really urban, not really gangsta, not really, you know, there's, and so many other ways where the cultural fit doesn't quite line up. And last night, I made her feel other. This is the beginning of a very long conversation in Brightline Eating about inclusiveness. If we're gonna get a million people to go away by 2030, we can't stay all white, middle-class, middle-aged women. We're not all that now, but predominantly, it's the dominant face of bright line eating at the moment. Well, look, right? I mean, like attracts like, right? I'm not entirely sure how to navigate the inclusiveness trajectory. And that's cool. I'll get help. There's a lot of people who are further ahead than I am on thinking about this, who've made it their life's work, and I'm letting you know that I'm gonna get support first, and then we're gonna to start to look at how do we broaden the lunch table experience so that everyone who comes here feels like they were thought of in advance, that they are truly included and welcomed, that their needs and concerns are being cared for, and that they are welcomed here. Because what we share in Bright Line Eating is this self-same experience with the food, the weight, <sighs> trying to lose it, not being able to, finding this path of clear boundaries and structure around our food and adopting not just a specific way of eating, but all of the things around it that make Bright Line Eating special the daily regimen, morning rituals, nighttime rituals, the ways of tracking it, the buddies and the mastermind groups, the support structures, the parts work, a shared language. We have a community here. And we also come from different cultures. So I'm way too 
early in this journey to make proclamations or say, here's how it's gonna go or anything like that. I just humble myself and declare myself in learning student mode. Let's see what happens. But I'm super clear that there's a gap between where Brightline Eating is now and the state that I can envision of a fully inclusive environment where everyone who wants and needs this transformation comes and feels seen, feels heard, feels included. And I invite you to join me on that journey. I love you. I do. I'll see you next week.